unto thee, O Lord. Do I lift up my
would please come on in and have a seat and we can get started this morning. We want to welcome everyone to our morning service here at the Boonville Church of Christ. We're glad that you're here, especially if you're visiting with us. Thank you for being here. If you would, please take one of the friendship register on the end of each of the pew and pass it down so that we can have a record of everyone's attendance this morning. We are so thankful that we have such a good group of folks with us today and we have visitors with us. Thank you for being here. We come together today to worship the Lord. Let's begin our time together in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we are truly thankful for all of the many blessings that you bestow upon us. We're thankful for the congregation that meets here in Boonville, for all of the enthusiasm and good works that we have. We pray that you'll continue to be with us and bless us as we strive to carry the gospel throughout the world. We're thankful for Ken and his ability to speak to us today, and we pray that you'll be with him as he brings the message. These things we ask through Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Our first song will be number 147. I stand amazed. Would you please stand with me as we sing this? Let's lift our voices to God. I stand amazed in the
Let us pray. Almighty, all merciful, all loving Father. It is once upon again, Father, we, as your humble servants, once again have approached our throne of grace, truth, and mercy. Once again, Father, we come before thee at this hour with our heads bowed and our hearts humble unto thee. Thanking thee, Father, for this opportunity this morning that you have granted unto us to come and to sing songs of praise to thee and to study another portion of thy holy and divine word. We thank thee, Father, for your love, your mercy, and your grace. But most of all, we thank thee, Father, for your darling son, Jesus, who came and died so that we all may live spiritually. Father, we ask unto thee right now, if it be thy will this morning, that you would just continue to bless each and every one that are represented here this morning, Father, under the sound of thy voice. We ask that you would bless us, Father, with the blessings that you see and that we stand in the need of, both physical and spiritual. Father, we ask a special prayer at this time, Father, for our, our congregation here. We ask, Father, a special prayer, Father, for our endeavors to, to go out and to teach thy word to a dying and lost world. We hope, trust, and pray, Father, that much good would come out of it, that some lost soul may walk out of darkness into that great and marvelous light, and then ask that great and noble question, what must I do to be saved? And Father, we ask and also a special prayer at this time, Father, for the leadership of the congregation, our elders, we ask that you would be with them this morning. Be with them, Father God, as they shepherd the flock, we ask that you would give them wisdom and knowledge, Father, to lead us in the way that be pleasing and acceptable unto thee. We ask and also a special prayer, Father, for our deacons and our teachers and our ministers, Father, just be with us, be with all of those that make up the congregation here. Just be with us and help us all, Father, to do things in a way that it will be pleasing and acceptable unto thee. And Father God, we're praying for our our nation and the leaders of it, we just ask, Father, that you would help them to look to thee, Father, the decisions that they make, that it would be the best for all of us. Now we ask, and Father God, if it be thy will, that you would go with us now into the furtherance of the service. We hope, trusting, and praying, Father, the things we do and the things we say, that they would be in accordance to thy word and be pleasing and acceptable to thee. Be with Brother Ken as he get ready to stand before us. Once again, give him a ready recollection of the things that he has studied, Father. Continue to let him down deep in thy word and things that he's preached and teached to us this morning, Father, that it would be pleasing and acceptable unto thee. Forgive us, Father God, for we have sinned against thee, Father. Wipe him out of the book of remembrance and remember no more. We ask all these and many blessings, and in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Song of invitation after Brother Ken's lesson will be Man of Sorrows. That's the newer version we've been doing. And then before his lesson, we'll sing And Can It Be. And Can It Be. 
Scripture reading this morning will come from John chapter 15, verses 12 and 13. John 15, verses 12 and 13. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. 
Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Good morning, everyone. Okay, so word came to me that Patsy Bain is here today. Patsy, are you here? There's Patsy. Now, Patsy's been out for months. She has recovered from her hip issues, and now we see that our prayers have been answered. And we have prayed and prayed and prayed for you. So isn't that an encouragement for us? Does God hear our prayers? Oh, yes, he does. I understand that Pat Gray is sick with COVID. And, you know, it's bad enough you have COVID and you have family that you have to quarantine from in the house. But when you are alone, that makes it a lot worse. So... Let's remember Pat in our prayers as she's going through her bout with COVID. And there, there may be others, that thing still lingers, doesn't it? But we are praying fervently that that can be ridded from our time. And so many of you have suffered things and yet you are here and it is an encouragement. It's an inspiration to us. And I've been hearing several different times in all kinds of areas, whether it's in church fellowship or uh, someone was talking about their, their gym membership and things like that. When we are away from the people, it's just different. Now we can participate in a limited sort of way online and there are certainly benefits to that, but just being together is so special. And thank you for making it very special here at Boonville. We're thankful, Pat, so you're back and can be a part of our assembly. We're going to thank God for that. We're going to pay, pray for Pat, okay? And we're also going to pray for us. God will bless us in our study this morning as we think together about no greater love. Let's bow together. Our Father in heaven, thank you for extending our lives to this moment in time. We can set aside all the things that we have been through this week, whether they've been light toil or whether we've really had struggles. Thankful that we can assemble here, set those things aside, and just focus our hearts, our spirits, our whole being on worshiping you in spirit and in truth. We're thankful today that Patsy's able to be back with us after her ordeal. We pray that you'll continue to bless her with strength and recovery. And perhaps there are others here that are back for the first time or only been back a few times. Just their presence encourages all of us. And Father, uh, the more we see this, the more dependent we become upon you. We just lift up even the slightest things to your throne because we're confident that you hear us as your children and we've seen the evidence of that. 
We pray, Lord, that you'll be with Pat Gray as she's sick. We pray that it will be a light case, but whatever it is, we just pray that you'll bring recovery to her and motivate us to reach out to her and to be a support so that she can get through this as quickly as possible and be back with us. Father, we've assembled for worship and we've been lifting you up through these songs and prayers that we've offered. We will continue that now in our study of your word. We will later observe the Lord's Supper and the death of Jesus and we will give of our means as we've already thought in our hearts what we should do. I pray, Lord, that all these things will be acceptable in your sight. But right now in this moment, it's our attention to your word that we're most concerned about. And so, Lord, I pray you'll help us that we can really be intent upon your word, the expression that you've put there, the truth that it is, and help us, Lord, to make good use of it. I pray, Lord, that you'll help me, that I can share with my brothers and sisters the things that I have discovered from your word. And I pray that as they hear these words, that they will make them their own and that they'll be strengthened by it and reminded of just how precious the sacrifice of your son really is. And then in turn, I pray, Lord, that we will never take our knowledge of this and what comes from it for granted. I pray, Lord, that as we apply these things, that it will not just strengthen our faith, but motivate us to be a more loving people in reflection of the love of your son. In Jesus' name, amen. I think it's pretty significant that Jesus says, this is my commandment. Now, I like that because you and I, we could go through the scriptures and we could find a lot of statements that Jesus made. We would say, well, this, this is something Jesus commanded. You know, we should do this because he, he told us to. But if we ask Jesus, Jesus, what is the thing that you most want us to know? What is the thing, if, if you could just make it as succinct as possible, the thing you would want us to know that would really make all of, it, all of the rest of it possible? Jesus said, this is it. This is my commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to love like I love. And then he gives kind of a, a glimpse of what's to come. Yes, I'll show you great love. I'm going to die for you. Now, he didn't put in those terms. And I, I can only imagine what the disciples of Jesus thought when they first heard that. Maybe you just thought, wow, you know, Jesus loves us, but there's, there's this great love out there. Wow, I wonder if we'll ever experience something like that. He's just kind of giving us a, a general principle here. No, Jesus says, here's the great love. You love like I do, and then the experience is going to be for you that I give my life for you. Now, you know what that means for us then. 
kind of love I'm going to have for you. And I'm, I'm already in expectation of the love that you would have for me is that you would give the utmost for me. I would do the same for you. Sometimes we, I don't know, we debate in our minds whether we would do something like that or not. But Jesus says, this is the commandment I'm giving you. I want you to love like I do. I want you to love, not just superficially, not just saying the words. I want you to love with just everything you've got. Everything you are, I want you to love that way. You probably know why my thoughts trended toward this matter of love. What is today, February the 12th? See now, I've been reminded of this every single day for several days. That in two more days, it'll be the 14th. Let's see now, what is that, two days? This is Sunday, Monday, oh, Tuesday. Tuesday will be February the 14th. What's the significance of that day? Well, it's Valentine's Day. Now, men, you're welcome. If somehow you had forgotten that, which I'm pretty sure your experience has been like mine, there's no way you could have forgotten it. But in two days will be Valentine's Day. My question in line with our thinking for today is, as special as Tuesday may be for you and your loved one, do you otherwise take him, take her for granted? I mean, you got this special day. Don't forget that day. But is it, is it true that with all your being, you're expressing your love for them every day? That, yeah, Valentine's Day might have a special emphasis, whatever, but the truth is, every day for you is like Valentine's Day. I don't know. You think of it like that? You give your all to another person? I'm pretty sure that there are a lot of areas in our lives where we take things for granted. Now, I mentioned Patsy, who is here. Uh, she didn't set out to have problems and be out for months. Something that just happened. You know, you're doing fine one day, all of a sudden you're injured or you have surgery to correct some physical ailment and now you are down and you didn't anticipate feeling the way that you do, but it's what you have and it's what you cope with. You, you took your health for granted. You know, you, you expect, I, I do, I've got my calendar full. I've already got appointments for this week where I am expecting I'm assuming, I haven't even really even thought about it, but I'm assuming I'm going to make those appointments because my health will be good. But I'm thinking again, Pat Gray, she ended up with COVID. Uh, who, when they contracted COVID, thought that it was going to affect you the way that it did? I had no idea. In fact, I'll be honest with you, when I had COVID, I experienced something in my life I'd never experienced before. I, I was at the point in my illness where I thought I actually might die from this. But the interesting thing, and I guess it's a comforting thing, is that in that moment, I was okay with it. It was all right. 
And so as I've recovered and kind of gotten back to normal, I still have that lingering conclusion that I had made. If I were to die for whatever reason, whether it's a protracted illness or whether it's just an accident that happens, I already know. Pretty sure that in that moment, whenever that is, I'm, I'm going to be okay because I've kind of experienced something like that. A resolve, if you will. We often just take our health for granted, fill up our calendar, go on. We as Americans take our freedoms for granted. And, and I will be honest with you, recently I took a course and, and something. And when I did, I, I come to realize that some things that I once assumed were rights that I had actually come to find out they were not rights at all. Some things I assumed, some things I took for granted that were okay actually were not. And the more and the more I pay attention to what develops Politically in our nation, the more I realize that there are freedoms that have existed that are in peril. Just kind of take those things for granted, that everything's fine. I'm thinking too that spiritually we take some things for granted. Ephesians 1 verse 3, an off-referenced text that tells us that in Jesus Christ we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Well, that's something I could take for granted too. I could take for granted that it's just there. I don't even have to maintain. I just fall back on it. But the reality is that if I take those things for granted, I can actually put them in peril. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm not benefiting from some blessing simply because I give no attention to them. Jesus says, here's the full expression of my love for you. I'm laying down my life for you. Is it possible that in the progress of our Christian walk, I don't know, maybe not so much when we assemble here, really talking about our day-to-day, -day, where our mind is all the time. In the day-to-day, -day, in the life we're living, is it possible I'm taking for granted the sacrifice of Jesus? If I take for granted the sacrifice of Jesus, of his laying down his life for me, then I am going to miss, I'm going to be unable to take advantage of some very important things spiritually in my life. Jesus laid down his life for our salvation. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15, now this is Paul talking about how Jesus had claimed him for his own, that despite the sinful life that he had lived in ignorance, 
now that he has become a Christian, that the grace of God had become empowered in his life and he had transcended the life that he once lived and now he is an example for all of us to follow. How, how the Lord can redeem a soul. But here in this text, he says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to, to save sinners of whom I am chief. Of whom I am chief. That, that doesn't sound to me like someone who was taking for granted the love of Jesus, does it? That sounds to me like someone who truly knew the impact of Jesus laying down his life for him, of sacrificing his life for Paul's life, to, to take Paul from a sinful condition against God and to transform him into someone who is powerfully equipped to save the world of the Gentiles. Someone who did not take for granted who Jesus was in his life. In our relationship with the Lord, we have to recognize just how powerful our salvation really is. So what's the benefit? What does our salvation do? What is it we're being saved from? In Romans chapter 8, the scripture there says that there is therefore now no condemnation of those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Freedom from sin and death. Sin brings death. We, we've seen multitudes of scriptures that point to the fact that my transgression against God brings death. The wages of sin is death. That's the idea. He says that in Jesus Christ, there's no longer a condemnation in regard to those things. I have freedom. I'm no longer, no longer driven by the rule of sin, not, not dominated by sin, not a slave to sin any longer, but having become a slave of righteousness. Romans 6, verses 17 and 18. None of the things that exist today that tend to purport to provide me with Freedom actually satisfy. The political party that I'm a part of, that I'm so proud of, as much as that might define who I am as an American, that political party does not determine whether or not I'm forgiven of my sins or not. The advancement of academic degrees. I go to school, I, I learn, I, I gain information, I, I just pile up my degrees. An academic degree does not define my relationship with the Lord. It does not bring salvation to my life. You say, well, Ken, you know, okay, those are, those are big categories of things. And, you know, maybe I, maybe I need those things to define me in my culture or to help me with my job, to put my place in this world. 
I, I, I never really thought that those things could save me. But Ken, you know, just look at, look at how I live. My life is what's going to define that. Is that so? Because the fact is, it isn't just living a good life. It isn't being a good neighbor or a good citizen. It isn't having, having ties to the right family or living in the right places. It isn't my reputation in my community that is going to save me. The thing that's going to save me is my obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, the gospel, he says, is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. The things that we most highly esteem in life, the things that we tend to push our spiritual life into a corner by are not the things that are going to make the difference in this life. The thing that is going to make the difference is that Jesus laid down his life for us. That he died, he was buried, and that he rose again. The gospel. If I just simply take for granted those things, oh, Ken, I was baptized into Christ, I'm good. If I just take for granted the life that I now have in Christ and substitute in place of that some of these other things that most people highly esteem, then I am taking for granted what Jesus did for me. And I am not giving true value to the salvation that I enjoy. Jesus laid down his life also for our deliverance. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 10, the scriptures there says that the Lord has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. That first little statement right there, that he has abolished death. Now, as I first read that, I'm like, yes, great, because I sure hate death. Boy, I'm glad it's a, wait a, wait a minute abolished. Now, typically when I think of something that's abolished, I think that it's gone. And so that doesn't, doesn't really click with me, right? He's abolished death, but I recently was reviewing my calendar from last year. Do you ever do that? When you get to the end of the year, just kind of review how things went for you. I attended 22 funerals most of which were connected with this congregation right here. 22. And I heard of so many more funerals. <laughs> so when I think abolish death, if, if my definition of abolish is that it is gone, peace, sorry, <laughs> it's not gone. In fact, right now, just at the start of this year, I'm already on track to beat last year's total. Man, death seems to be going just fine. What does he mean that it is abolished? Well, the term doesn't mean that it doesn't exist anymore. The idea is that the power that it had, the free reign that it had, is gone. It is idle, is actually the word. 
Now, you get in your car and you put it in gear, that thing can go. Boy, just don't you love to get out on the road and drive around? Yeah, that's whoo. But you put that thing in neutral, where are you going? You're still in the car, it still exists, but it's not going anywhere. It doesn't have any, well, it doesn't have any power anymore. It, it has become idle. For most people in the world, I suppose those who are apart from Jesus, death still has at least the semblance of its power. People live in fear. They try to avoid it. They do whatever is necessary to protect themselves, to live as long as they possibly can. But for the Christian, the one who has been freed in Jesus Christ, the one who's been delivered from death, the one who has experienced because of Jesus the abolition of death, that person, according to Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 15, no longer has a fear of death. Death is not something that consumes us or overrides our hopes and our dreams, especially of our thoughts related not just to this life, but to that which is to come. Death does not stand in the way of our joy and our celebration in Jesus Christ. And as much as Jesus lived and then he died and he was buried and he rose again, so in him we have hope that just as Jesus overcame death, he abolished it and its effects for us. So according to that text, we no longer fear it. Or 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning at verse 55. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? For the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Here in this text, he says that the law was the thing that brought such oppression to the mind and to the spirit that in effect people felt hopeless in their relationship with God. They feared death for fear that now they're going to face an angry God. But we don't feel that way, do we? We don't take the sacrifice of Jesus and his laying down his life for us for granted. We know that he has delivered us from the power of death. He has conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Instead of feeling a heavy degree of hopelessness and fear of that which is to come, we actually... We can be like John as he closed out the book of Revelation. Even so, come Lord Jesus. We are, we are ready. If it is that you take the sacrifice of Jesus for granted in some way, if you don't fully appreciate the sacrifice that he made in laying down his life, then it's possible you don't truly value what it means to be delivered from death. Jesus laid down his life for our life. Yeah, I said that the way I intended to. Jesus is laying down his life, but the reason that he's doing it is for the life that I have. Jesus lays down his life for my life. I want to go back to that text from 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 10. It says that he abolished death and brought life and immortality to light. 
through the gospel. So through the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, life and immortality have been brought to light. Now, a thing that's been brought to light means that you can see it. Uh, the cover that was on it has been removed. It's exposed. It's there for all of us to, to truly gaze upon. What is it I can gaze upon just simply thinking about the power of the gospel? Well, inherent in the gospel is that Jesus died. Yes, but then he was buried and then he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. So Jesus lived, he died, he resurrected. He lived, he lived a life like we're living right now. You know, we're going about our day-to-day -day activities. We're experiencing all that this world has to offer. We are extending ourselves to people. We're building relationships. We're just living the life. We're clicking off the years. We're enjoying our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, our fellowship. Life is good. And, and yet, there is looming the end of that life. And then what? What we find in the gospel is that the life doesn't end with the physical death. And again, there is, no, there is no fear in death because there is the hope and the expectation of something that is to come. Life and immortality, that has been brought to light through the gospel itself. So our anticipation is that we're going to live on. And that is something that is a promise of Jesus. In fact, it, it's put just that way. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 25, he says, so here's the promise, <laughs> everlasting life. Now that's as simple as it can be. In fact, he emphasizes it two different ways. Eternal life, here's the promise. You got it. The Lord's made the promise. His promise is true. What you get, immortality, everlasting life, eternal life. Peter talks about it in terms of promises that are made and then anticipation of it. In 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept through the power of God, through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. He says, here is what, here is what locks in the promise that Jesus died and he rose again. And now on the basis of that, you can know that you have an inheritance in heaven. Inheritance that is undefiled. Nobody is going to take it away. It's not something that is corruptible. It is incorruptible. And one of these days, if you remain faithful, you will receive that. Okay, so a promise made real on the basis of the knowledge and belief in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If, if I take that for granted, that Jesus died, if I, I don't think about it, I just go on with my life without truly appreciating 
what he has done for me, then I'm going to fail to appreciate in that the value of my own life. Yeah, I'm living now and and it's great. However it is that you're doing. You say, Ken, I'm living the life. You know, look, look, look at what I'm amassing for myself. Man, I have no wants. Every need is man. I'm just, I'm doing great. Listen, if you are living the life, but Jesus isn't in that life, then what you are experiencing is only temporary. If we would truly appreciate Jesus, if we would get to the place where we never took Him for granted, then surely we'd be able to see the value in our salvation, our deliverance, in, in our very life. But I also want you to think that Jesus laid down his life for our reward. I want to go back to the idea of immortality for a minute. Because there have been a lot of cultures that have wrestled with the end of life and what to do next. And I'm going to look at two extremes for a moment. The one is about mummification, right? The Egyptians, I've seen a lot of news lately about new discoveries over there in Egypt. It kind of piqued my curiosity. And it is, it's amazing, isn't it, that these enormous structures were created and, and so aligned. And, you know, I don't know about all that stuff, alignment with the planets and, and such, but it, it is the, the meticulous design that went into those ancient structures. And then seemingly only for the purpose of housing the dead, housing the dead that are, that are mummified using all kinds of, of recipes that even modern man hasn't deciphered yet. And boy, we've, we've got amazing preservation there. And, and then that body is wrapped in gold. And then that's wrapped in a gold sarcophagus. And then in the midst of that, surrounding it, were all of these slaves who gave their lives in order to make the passage along with their great Pharaoh. And perhaps the wives died and some of the prized animals and boats and all kinds of things that are going to make his life so much easier on the other side. And then however they figured it, whether they thought that a certain alignment of planets was going to make it happen, or maybe there's going to be a magnetism, you know, connected with that facility, whatever, over the course of all these hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, the only thing that has resulted is that those buildings were plundered either by rogues or by scientists. They were emptied and put in museums. And now those things that were put away with such care in the hope that this person would transition themselves into a glamorous spiritual reality sometime has resulted in them becoming a spectacle in a museum. Should have gotten a guarantee, yes? <laughs> Okay, here's a modern day equivalent, I think. How about cryo technology? Oh boy, I remember that. That's the freezing of the body. 
putting your body in suspended animation in the hopes that not now, of course, because we couldn't even imagine it, but someday we can keep that body frozen and then in the future, when the technology arrives, they'll be able to revive that body and that person will be healed of whatever killed them and they'll go on and, and be happy. Well, perhaps the most famous of those people was Ted Williams. Remember when this happened? Ted Williams, he's going to go through the cryo treatment. And so, most famously, they decapitated his body, took his head, put it in a metal container. They drilled some holes in it. They shaved it. And then they put the liquid nitrogen to it, froze solid. Yeah, unfortunately, turns out somebody wasn't very careful with Ted's head. They cracked it in 10 places. But what most people don't know is it wasn't just his head. They actually took the body and they put it in a nine foot tall container, also filled it with liquid nitrogen. The agreement was that Ted Williams and two of his children were going to do this and that someday when technology caught up, they would, I guess, reassemble Ted and the children and they could live on together in the future. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking just right off the top of my head, I didn't mean that as a joke, but we're going to have a lot of trouble, first of all, piecing the 10 pieces back together and then reattaching the head and then thawing the body out and reanimating it. I'm thinking again, somebody should have gotten a guarantee about that, right? Both of those are exercises in futility. Jesus is the only one who gives a guarantee about what is to come. In John chapter 11 and verse 25, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall never die. He who believes and lives will never die. You know, when Jesus made those statements about immortality related to him as the I am, he turns to Martha he says, do you believe this? She said, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God, the one who is to come into the world. I believe it. It was on the basis of that faith that Jesus is the son of God. That only, not only would he live, but ultimately there would be the great resurrection of life forevermore. It was on the basis of the knowledge that he was the son of God, that she made her commitment to follow Jesus. I'm not giving up on you. Now that was in the midst of a situation where her own brother Lazarus has died. Jesus first says, do you believe about me? Do you believe about that? Yes, I believe it. Then Jesus subsequently, not just in the grand resurrection of all the dead, but in the resurrection of Lazarus in the moment, no doubt confirms her faith in Jesus. Still, Jesus, Jesus, not taking for granted, but a person putting their faith and their hope in him, experiencing 
life after death, resurrection. And so, we. The question would be, do we take Jesus for granted? We know all those things. We don't dwell on it. If, if we take it for granted, if we don't dwell on it, if we don't think, as we have considered here today, if we don't think about our salvation, if we don't think about our deliverance from death, if we don't think about the life that he gives us now, if we don't think about the reward that is to come, then we don't truly value the things that Jesus has brought to light. In Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10, Jesus says, be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. I will do that. Not a stand in for Jesus. It will be the one in whom we put all of our hope. Jesus says, it is this commandment that means the most. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. Jesus laid down his life for you and for me. The question that he would ask us is the same question that he asked Martha in the very presence of death, as, as Lazarus has died, with the hope and the anticipation even that he could live again. Do you believe it? Well, do you believe it? If you're a child of God today, have you taken the Lord's love for granted that he laid down his life for you? Do you have that same feeling and expression of love for others, for him? Have you taken him for granted? If you've drifted your mind from the things that really mattered and really consumed yourself with the temporary things, the Lord asks, do you really believe Maybe you're not a child of God today. You haven't obeyed the gospel. But you've come to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Someone studied with you. Maybe you studied these things for yourself. And you've come to that conclusion. Today, on the basis of that belief, are, are you ready to act? Not just taking him for granted for who he is, but for what he expects of you. Will you turn away from sin and repentance? Will you confess your faith that he's the Son of God today? Will you be buried in water, have your sins washed away by the blood of Jesus and rise up in newness of life? Not just life now, but the hope of life eternal. If there's anybody who needs to respond for any reason, now's your opportunity. Why don't you come forward if you need to while we stand together and sing? Man of sorrows, Lamb of God,
Before we take the Lord's Supper, we'll sing Come Share the Lord, number 364. We receive one of your emblems, just raise your hand and they will provide that for you. We often go to 1 Corinthians 11 to talk about the Lord's Supper. I'm just not going to talk necessarily about the Lord's Supper today, just to, but we, we know the, con, uh, the contents there. But mainly Paul's admonition to them for coming together, but for something totally different. There's four times when Paul repeats himself with a, a phrase, come together. Starting in verse 17, now in giving these instructions, I do not praise you since you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. Something bad has really 
happened there in Corinth, that he's having to take this time and, and correct them. He says, first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and in part, I believe it. The next verse, he kind of sarcastically says, uh, those who are approved of this may be recognized. I think there is, they have gotten so far and they had made a, a new uh, authorization which they didn't have. In verse 20, Paul says, therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. And then he proceeds to reteach them of what it means, means to be, take the Lord's Supper. And then after, through that, that discourse, finally, in verse 33, therefore, brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for another. And that's what we've done here today. We've even waited for those who might not have an opportunity to have an emblem so that they would not miss out on this memorial feast. And when we come together, we're really doing what we just sung about. We're coming to share the Lord. So with that in mind, let's, let's give God our thanks. Heavenly Father, we come together at this moment to remember your son's death on the cross, proclaim his death, his resurrection, that he provided the love that we could not provide for ourselves, that he gave his only, his only life here on earth for all of our sins. As we follow Paul's instructions to take, or Jesus' instructions, when he said, take, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We do that now in thanks, thank, thank, thanksgivingness as we remember your son's death. Heavenly Father, we ask this prayer in your son's name. Amen. As we continue, let's give thanks for the cup. Once again, Father, we have come together to remember your son's death on the cross through the remembrance of his blood, the blood that paid the, the debt for our sins. That, as Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. To this do as often as you do drink it in remembrance of me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus and his sacrifice, his life here on earth, and his blood that has redeemed us from eternal life in hell. This is our prayer in your son's name. Amen. This concludes the Lord's Supper. We will now go into the part of our service where we offer up to the Lord. bow with me. Again, our loving Heavenly Father, we come to you this day so very thankful for all of our blessings, 
Uh, we're thankful, Father, uh, for how you provide for us, and we pray this morning that each of us uh, would think about that and uh, be thankful, and as we give back to you, that we would be cheerful. Pray, Father, that everything that is given today, uh, that much good would come, that, uh, that it would be put to good use, and much good would come from it. Again, we thank you so much for all you do for us and all our blessings. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Welcome. Thank you for being here this morning on this beautiful Sunday morning, February the 12th, 2023. We had 308 in services this morning. I have several announcements. There will be an elder, deacon, and ministered meeting in the little chapel immediately following services this morning. Elders, deacons, and, and ministers in the little chapel. The lad, the leader, has got a lot going on today. Uh, the fifth grade and under lad, the leader's puppets will meet in the tack immediately following the services this morning, and lunch will be provided. And that is the fifth grade and under puppets. The song leader, Songs of Praise, will meet at 4 o'clock this afternoon in their usual place. The Bible Bowl will meet at 4.15. And the 6th, 7th, and 8th grade puppets will meet in the TAC tonight immediately following services. That is 6th, 7th, and 8th grade puppets tonight after services. So Lad the Leader's got a lot going on today. There's going to be a new ladies Bible class that will meet at Anita Forrest's house starting February the 23rd, that's on Thursday night at 6.30 p.m. If you're interested in this class, you need to see a, Anita to purchase you a book. The topic of this class is Loving Your Husband. I have a card here. Words cannot express how thankful Myra and I are for all the cards, the calls, the visits, 
the food, the gifts, but most of all the prayers during my illness and surgery. Your outpouring of kindness, concern, and love lifted uh, our spirits and made these past few weeks bearable. Please continue to pray for my restored health. We are so blessed to be a part of the Boonville Church of Christ. We love you all, Eddie and Myra Mooney. Uh, Stella Pittman is in the Tupelo Hospital. We need to remember her in our prayers. And sympathy is extended to Larry Lauderdale in the death of his brother-in-law, John Thomason of New Albany. And that is all the announcements I have this morning. Would you please stand for our closing prayer? Our dear, most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we do once again thank you for this wonderful day you've given us and the opportunity we've had to come out and study your word once again. Lord, we pray that what we've heard this morning, Lord, may we apply it to our hearts and may as a result we better serve you. Thank you, Lord, for your son, Jesus, who died on the cross of Calvary for the sins of the world. Forgive us, Lord, wherein we have sinned against you. For this we ask in Christ's name. Amen.